here on the fantasy footballers dfs podcast and our pockets are a little bit heavier this week because we walked away last week with some uh with some cash in our pocket yeah we did we're joined by someone else who's known as ben moneybags cummins ben how you doing man i'm doing fantastic i told you guys i have been able unable to think of anything except for this podcast all day and as the new, you know, thought leader in the the FanDuel DFS <laughs> space here in the industry, I'm ready to galaxy brain some uh, crazy tournament lineups with you boys. <laughs> yeah, the Slack yeah. chat uh, that we have for the DFS crew with with the ballers was popping uh, on Sunday. Ben was just posting Slack his lineups, and it was lit. just cash after cash after cash. So, uh, listeners, you are in for a treat tonight. Uh, I do love that nickname though, Ben Moneybags Cummins. Yeah, I I don't know where you know I I see it just came out of nowhere, but I'll take it. I'm 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 pretty happy with that. (laughs) Yeah, we got a good thing going on the podcast with Borg, Betts, and Ben, and um, it's going to be an awesome discussion we're going to have this week talking about week two. But before we go any further, just want to start us off with a quick question: Uh, What was your best and worst call? of week one. We'll start with you, Ben. What was your best call? Yeah, I want to go off the wall a little bit here and say it was a Washington DST. And this is not something that I was into earlier in the week. But, um, you know, I think we're going to do it for this entire show. We pride ourselves on a top down approach, right? And we pride ourselves on not just, oh, you know, I like Carson Wentz because, you know, I like him. No, like we have to look at every single matchup. And that includes defensive line and offensive line. And when the Eagles had three offensive linemen out, and even though Washington's uh, secondary is very beatable, you have to look at that defensive line with Chase Young and realize that's that's actually like a top five unit. That's pretty nasty. Um, and there's really nothing worse, right, than than entering a lineup that you feel really good about. But you look at your defense and you're like, man, defense is tough to predict. I really hope they don't mess it up. But what we can predict is pressure, and pressure can lead to sacks and turnovers, which is what's good for fantasy in uh, for a DST and. The slate just set up so perfectly because their defense was so affordable and it allowed you to get the studs. <clears throat> Excuse me. So really felt good about that. And then obviously ended up paying off. And then um, on the flip side, I do have to say that, you know, one of the biggest things that we talk about, and again, we're going to talk about it tonight, is prioritizing some interesting, especially if they're affordable, low-owned guys in games where, it, you know, it could shoot out. It could be a bonanza and there could be a lot of points scored. And, you know, I... I hammered these games with Christian McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs and, you know, let Russ cook, but I didn't really think as much, uh, on the turn. I know Kyle, me and you were on the same page. I had to play some Curtis Samuel, but at the end of the day, I did not think enough about Russell Gage and Robbie Anderson. And, and that's something that I want to learn from. Yeah. And I, I know that's to your detriment bets that the Washington defense destroyed your Eagles eight sacks, I believe on Carson Wentz. Ooh. So, um, how do you want to respond to that? <laughs> I, I mean, what what is there to say? We lost to a team that doesn't have a name. So, uh, yes, for <laughs> listeners that don't know, I am I am a diehard Eagles fan. It, it's just tough, man. I mean, 
I'm disappointed in the team. Like you talked about it, Ben, three offensive linemen out. They did not change the game plan at all. I mean, it looked like they basically were ha- having Carson Wentz drop back seven yard or seven step dropbacks and letting this defensive line just obliterate the backups. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So the eight sacks was not surprising. I played the Washington D. I bet the six and a half with Washington, which was gross and disgusting to do against my team. But that's how confident I felt in that call. So it was a great call by Ben. And then along the same lines, I mean, I also was short-sighted and kind of not really seeing that difference and still playing Deshaun Jackson, knowing that he wins by getting downfield. If, if Wentz didn't have time to get back and get comfortable in the pocket and deliver the ball downfield, it was never going to work for Deshaun Jackson. I played him everywhere, and of course, that hurt me a ton. But back to the, the good stuff from Sunday. <laughs> the let Russ Cook movement here is here, boys, and Let's I am go, so, baby. so excited for it. Per PFF, the highest pass rate in the NFL in week one was... The run first Seattle Seahawks here in 2020. Hopefully they're making a change. They talked about it in August. You know, Russ said it himself, like maybe we can play more like we did last year in the second half. We saw what happens. It was, it was great things. And Kyle, you and I, um, and in the, the pace article that you write and in the Vegas article I write, like we were just all over this matchup and it was just brilliant for, for DFS. It was perfect. I love it so much. Yeah. And I went in to the show doc to literally type in hashtag let Russ cook for my best. And I saw you already put it in there and I was like, all right, let me get more creative (laughs) because had Russ everywhere. Uh, Shout out to FanDuel same game parlays, which are a game changer. If you have access to it, you know, bet the over bet the alternate over um, bet the over on both Lockett and DK Metcalf, because of course shallow, you know, distribution and played them everywhere. Um, Yeah, man, that, that was a fun one to see. And I did kind of, you know, I wrote it up too. All of their running backs being banged up and Carlos Hyde never playing on the team, I did think that that would play a little bit of a role, and it kind of did, because even though Chris Carson went off, he went off catching two touchdowns, which was pretty fluky, didn't have a ton of volume. If this can continue, oh boys, let Russ cook, baby. MVP season, let's go. Yeah, I saw that his adjusted completion percentage was 97% because he had... Uh, a couple of drops, and then one of them was bad at the line. So really, he had just one incomplete pass, if we were really uh, looking that way. For me, uh, my best call was my tight end plays, which usually I love to punt my tight end. So TJ Hawkinson yes, was my yes. cash game tight end. And then Logan Thomas was, was someone that I had in a lot of tournaments because he was super cheap. And then worst is I just still have a soft spot. I know Ben does as well for our guy, Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel. Only one um, week, man. We're, we're not giving up yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Curtis Samuel in a GPP this week is is what I love. But yeah, I had some Robbie Anderson, but honestly, I, I went more with Curtis Samuel. And so that's something we also talk about is when you like a, a certain player, especially a receiver, because they're so volatile, leave room to be wrong, especially in tournaments. And so I, I stacked Robbie Anderson in a couple places and it paid off. And so uh, for this week, uh, we have a, some awesome content on the on the site. Ben does our FanDuel cash and GPP picks. Bets came out with a Vegas report and a Thursday night preview. Uh, I just had a pace of play article. But the DFS pass is something that the three of us, as well as Rob Waziak, Jake Seeley, we, we put in a ton of time and energy staring at these matchups. And right now you can go online, get the DFS pass for $59.99. If you use the promo code DFS pod, save a little cash on that. But I love our pass because it's a one-time fee. I know there's so many websites out there that you have to pay each month and you can really make it back in one week um, if you listen to a lot of what we have to say. So anything you guys want to say real quick about the DFS pass? 
I mean, no bias whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> it was it was great. It was a great first week for the team. I feel like it was a good way to start the year, and hopefully the listeners were with us along the way. I know we had a bunch of people reach out uh, to us on Twitter and to Ben as well, saying, you know, thanks so much and appreciate the help. So listeners, if you're kind of hesitant, like maybe not, maybe this isn't the year for it, a great value. I mean, honestly, like most DFS companies charge like an insane amount monthly or even weekly. So uh, it really is a great value. One-time payment, go get it. Uh, those are my favorite tweets to see every single week when, uh, you know, oh, you talking about this guy in the article or, or, you know, just tweeting it out before the game helped me get on him and helped me win some money. Literally, I love that more than winning money myself. Yeah, so let's get into the main slate. State of the main slate. So it's your first time listening to us. The way that we're kind of structuring this podcast coming out on a Friday is we're picking five games that we think are the ones that you need to pay attention to this week. Five games that uh, honestly, the lines are enticing, but also how do we stack these games? And we mentioned this last week, but there's different ways to stack on FanDuel compared to DraftKings. So last week, for instance, uh, I had Russell Wilson everywhere uh, on FanDuel because I thought he was a great player there, but I had Matt Ryan on the other side on DraftKings because he can get that 300-yard bonus. Uh, Calvin Ridley was only 6,100. So those are my cash game plays there. So it's really important that when we talk about who we like, uh, we also talk about some of the websites and just saying, hey, I, I like this guy a little bit more on FanDuel um, compared to the other ones. So the first game we're going to get into is is a doozy. Uh, it is, it's exciting. It's Baltimore Ravens at the Houston Texans. The game has a 52 and a half over under and Baltimore is six and a half point favorite on the road, which in 2020 being a road team doesn't mean the same exact thing with, uh, no fans, unless you travel to Jacksonville. In that case, <laughs> you can't win. You can't beat those Jags. Uh, <laughs> not with that Col- mustache Col- and those jorts, man. No not way. Not with Minshew. No, you can't do it. So, um, Obviously, we like Lamar Jackson. They have a 29.5-point implied team total. But, Betts, what's your general view on this game, Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, I think you look back to last Thursday night in the the season opener for the, the Houston Texans, and no doubt, I mean, they they definitely felt the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you could see it with Deshaun Watson's play, who historically in his career has elevated his efficiency when they're trailing. And obviously, we have almost a, a seven-point deficit projected here by Vegas. So you're looking at a situation where can Deshaun uh, Watson come back and and get to that form? I, I mean, I'm not sure we're going to see it with the ceiling there. Brandon Cooks is still injured and still banged up. He was limited today on Wednesday in practice. S- probably will play again. He played last week, but only played 13 second half snaps. So clearly the quad was a huge issue for Brandon Cooks. And then, the, you know, the, the fill-in pieces of like Kenny Stills and um, Randall Cobb, like it, it's just not it. Will Fuller is is great. He's going to dominate the targets. Had fifty one percent of the air yards um, on ten targets last week was fantastic. So I like Deshaun Watson. I think he's a, a fine GPP type play. But man, I just think the the Ravens are going to absolutely come out and, and hose uh, the Texans here. I think six and a half is too light. I'm definitely going six and a half with Baltimore. I'll lay the points. Yeah, Ben. What what do you think of the Baltimore side? How would you be attacking this? Yeah, I'm right there with Betts. Um, you know, the Ravens were first in yards per game and points per game in 2019. Obviously, Lamar Jackson went nuts, MVP season. And what did we just see happen? I mean, he just, you know, started right where he left off. 
And to me, you know, I, I wrote up a lot of different defenses that I want to attack early and often this season. And the Texans defense overall is one of them. They're really not very good. So I agree with you, Kyle, that this is a doozy of a game. But for me, it's one sided. I'm really not very interested in many Texans at all outside of maybe Will Fuller in cash. I do think that the Ravens defense is one of the best in the league, even without Earl Thomas. So I agree with Betts. I think that this is a smash spot. I think the Ravens win by at least seven easy. And that makes me like a lot of plays on their side of the ball, which is interesting, right? Because there's not that many of them. And when you look at the running back rotation from last week, you can't really be confident in playing any of them, especially when, you know, DFS is all about picking guaranteed volume and opportunity, especially at the running back position. That makes me like Lamar, um, because we know of his rushing upside, of course, but it also makes me like his three pass catchers. Yes, I said three. Obviously, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. But if we really want to get silly with it, especially on FanDuel, you touched on it, Kyle. Um, you know, obviously, FanDuel is a much better site to play these guys that don't see that many opportunities. But if they break a long one, <clears throat> excuse me and score a touchdown, they could really, really break the slate for you. And Miles Boykin would be one of my guys in a smash spot. He saw four targets last week. Yeah, he's he's a GPP play. I, I, I think when I look at this game, I want there to be someone on the Texans that I can run it back with. But apart from Fuller, I'm just not really seeing it. So for me, it's Lamar in cash. I think he's a great cash game play, even at 9,500 on FanDuel. Uh, I would stack him with Hollywood Brown, whose price went up $1,100 on DK. Uh, it was a huge price increase. But uh, And then Mark Andrews, um, he saw a ton of snaps last year. You know, he didn't get over 60% most games. And this one, he had a career high 71% of the snaps. So I think on this game, if you just want to go and stay with the Ravens and maybe mix in Will Fuller to run it back, um, that's the way I want to do it. If you want to get cute, I get David Johnson, but I just can't see him getting anything done on the ground. Uh, so you need him to to maybe catch some passes. You know, he catches passes, bets. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it up. I'm laughing because the show doc right now just says vacated targets bets in all caps and, you know, peek behind the curtain for the listeners. I was texting with Kyle during the Thursday night football game last week. And if you're not familiar with Kyle's work, you need to get on it, man. He's crushing behind the scenes for the ballers and putting out great content himself. And he, he writes up the research that vacated targets go to the running back position. Most people will just assume, oh, it's going to go to whoever the next wide receiver is or the tight end. It actually goes to the running backs quite a bit. And then you just saw dump off after dump off to, to David Johnson. And Kyle's just texting me, vacated targets, man, dot, dot, dot. Hey, there's another catch for DJ, dot, dot, dot. Like just all night, just giving me a hard time. So yes, I mean, hey, on DK, it's full PPR. I mean, you certainly could do worse. I, I'm not saying I'm excited about it, but yes, the vacated targets will be there. And without Duke Johnson, who's out with an ankle injury, certainly David's going to get all the third down work. Yeah, it's, it, you know, David Johnson was in a great spot on Thursday night. Not as much here, but to your point, you know, we had to, I had to throw that in there that all injuries matter. So yeah, if Duke Johnson doesn't play, that makes him a little bit more interesting to your point on DraftKings. Um, but then just to run it back to kind of what you said, Kyle, on, on FanDuel, where we already know Marquise Brown is a better play because a little less volume, but we know he can take it to the house on every catch. Just like I kind of talked about Miles Boykin. Um, his price, I don't think did go very, uh, uh, up very much on FanDuel, $6,200, still very affordable there. Great place to play him. All right, so just to finish up, y'all's Vegas pick, y'all both want to lay the points, six and a half? Yes, easy. I would lay 12. <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> I would still consider it, yep. 
<laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be a better, a more uh, fun NFL matchup to look at with Watson than maybe for fantasy. So let's move to the next game. Uh, it's the Detroit Lions, who somehow are zero and one, somehow lost to the Bears last week at the Packers. Uh, Packers are six point favorites at home, and man. Aaron Rodgers just went off last week. Devontae Adams was someone that we wrote up everywhere. Ben, I know, said this is this is the guy you need to play everywhere this week. Um, but, yeah, Packers at home, 47.5 point total. Ben, what are you feeling about Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, man, I mean, I think we have angry Aaron Rodgers, and, and that's really scary um, because the dude can still get it done, paired, obviously, with elite Devontae Adams. And, you know, you, you correlate both of those with the fact that this is one of the best matchups you could possibly have. Not only is Detroit one of the worst secondaries in the league, but they're also banged up right now. So a really good spot for the Packers to keep it going. And I just think, you know, I, I ha, I'm writing my articles on FanDuel. FanDuel's pricing is pretty, pretty soft this week. I do have to admit. So I find it hard to believe I'll make very many lineups without him on FanDuel. And obviously, he's a better play on DraftKings because when you're getting 17 targets, you know, that volume and that full PPR and that over 100 yards receiving is huge. So, um, you know, one of the best plays on the entire slate, obviously. And, you know, Rodgers in a great spot again. Yeah, Rodgers rose all the way to QB3 on DraftKings. Like, I mean, he just skyrocketed in price, but on FanDuel is the QB7. Um, so I, I like him there. And, uh, you know, I think Adams is a lock, even at that price, you know, last week he was criminally underpriced. I think he was 7,200 on, on DK. Um, what are your thoughts on Alan Lazard? Uh, he came up big. He was actually the millionaire lineup on FanDuel had Alan Lazard. They stacked, uh, Packers, wow. but any thoughts on Lazard? Yeah, I actually wrote him up. I wrote him up with Devontae Adams. Now, he only saw four targets, and uh, MVS actually saw six and had a really good game. But we know MVS was very, very hot and cold, and his playing time was very minimal last year towards the end of the season. So he's definitely going to continue to be a GPP play, and I think you're chasing points with him. Lazard's been solid, and in this matchup, even though he only saw four targets last week, because the matchup is so good— um, Another one of those defenses that I wrote up, a pass defense specifically that I want to attack because the Lions front seven is a little bit better. And again, their secondary is atrocious. They have a new defensive coordinator. Their secondary is completely banged up right now. I, I like Lazard, especially as a cash play. Yeah. What about on the other side bets? What do you want to do with the Lions? I mean, do we have any update on Kenny G? Not as of today. I mean, it's, we're recording on Wednesday. He didn't practice, which is to no one's surprise. Wednesday is kind of the day that people kind of get eased back into the week. So we need to kind of see, you know, this comes out on Friday, obviously, but we need to kind of see and listeners be able to go back and look what happened. Um, Kenny Galladay picked up that injury late in the week last week. So there's, it's not a guarantee that he's back this week. And that matters a ton for this matchup because he is a player that I would like to bring it back with. If I go with a Packers stack in this matchup, and I agree with you, Ben, 100% um, Rogers and company are going to absolutely smash. I, I want the listeners to know truly how banged up this secondary is for Detroit, because we have an opportunity for green Bay to smash Detroit and then Matthew Stafford to have to chuck the ball 40 times plus in this game because of how bad that secondary is. Their top three corners all out with hamstring injuries, all projected to miss again. I mean, Devontae Adams against a third string corner. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Uh, it's going to get ugly. Ooh. So 
yeah, someone on Detroit is going to return value, and yeah. obviously it matters if Kenny G is in or not. Um, Kyle, I'll kick back to you, man. I, I know you want to talk about Marvin Marvin Jones, your boy. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's the wide receiver one right now. I mean, I know Kenny, Kenny G didn't play last week, but uh, I can see myself looking at this game and taking Matthew Stafford on DK, where he's only 6,200, uh, uh, and Marvin Jones, and then Devontae Adams on the other side, and just saying, hey, I'm going to stack it that way instead of Rodgers, because I'm assuming a lot of people are going to flock to Rodgers, uh, especially on DraftKings. But like I said, that price is elevated. So um, I like those options. I wanted to get y'all's thoughts real quick on Aaron Jones uh, in that backfield. I know that Jamal Williams was probably a little bit more involved than maybe we wanted him to be. And uh, AJ Dillon, I think, only saw two touches. So um, it was pretty much irrelevant. But I feel like Aaron Jones has some sneaky appeal in this game, and he destroyed the Lions last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely does. It was exactly the same situation we saw last season with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And, you know, that that's kind of annoying, um, but you have to embrace it. And we know what Aaron Jones did last year with, you know, like a 60-40. It was more like a 70-30, I think, you know, time split at the end of the year. Uh, I agree with you. I'm writing up Aaron Jones as a sneaky play because we can't forget that he has receiving upside as well. He didn't really show it last week, but he could very easily catch a touchdown in this one. And even though Detroit's front seven is a little bit better than their secondary, doesn't mean that they're incredible. Um, so Aaron Jones in a game, you know, again, I, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning. I was a little upset with myself because... In the best fantasy games of the week, and that's why we're talking about a game like this, everybody gets elevated. And that includes a player like Aaron Jones, who's one of the best running backs in the league and has dual threat upside. What about Detroit? Their backfield, I mean, they brought in Adrian Peterson. He had 17 opportunities in week one, which is just crazy considering you drafted a running back that's super talented. You have on Johnson. Um, but yeah, DeAndre Whiff as uh, he's been known this week, had a rough end of of the game. So (laughs) is Adrian Peterson, I mean, is he, is he playable on FanDuel? Look, I, since I'm writing my articles on FanDuel, I I had to throw in the matchup and stories that we have to at least bring up his name because he did have 17 opportunities in week one. We know Matt Patricia's a donk, just like Bill O'Brien. We know, we know (laughs) that he's going to sign Adrian Peterson off the street. And after, you know, drafting two running backs high, he doesn't care. I mean, obviously Adrian Peterson, you know, great, but he's so old at this point. But at the end of the day, if you're getting 17 opportunities and this is the sneaky thing. The Packers are one of those few run defenses I wrote up before the season that I want to attack. They actually don't have a very good run defense at all. We obviously all remember what Raheem Moser did to them in the playoffs. Not saying Adrian Peterson is going to do that, but it's important to touch, uh, touch on just because again, like you alluded to, Kyle, you have to know the difference. And since I'm writing my articles on FanDuel, that's where I'm playing, at least for now. Adrian Peterson is, you know, not even in consideration on DraftKings where he doesn't see targets. But on FanDuel, if he has somehow, some way 80 rushing yards and he finds the end zone, he's affordable enough that he's in play. Now there's other affordable running backs as well. And again, FanDuel's pricing is, is soft. So I say all that. I won't be playing Adrian Peterson, but it's at least worth noting. So, Betts, would you rather play Adrian Peterson or poke yourself in the eye? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, give me option B. (laughs) I mean, listen, there aren't that many running backs that get 17 touches in a game, so it matters. But when it it comes down to luck, when we're we're sitting here and it's almost 1 o'clock, I I can't actually hit the submit button with Adrian Peterson in my lineup. I mean, what's the upside, right? Like, you're looking for guys that can come out and smash for you and really exceed expectation. 
I think we know what Adrian Peterson is at this stage of his career. And if we're projecting uh, the Packers to come out and smash, in theory, that would pull Adrian Peterson off the field in those passing down opportunities for DeAndre Swift. So, yeah, I won't have much under uh, Adrian Peterson this week in my lineups. And when I say not much, I mean zero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, oh. and I do. I do love that you say that, Betts, because honestly, even after saying all that, I think that the more interesting play would be DeAndre Swift on DraftKings because he was the receiving back. And if he did catch that touchdown, which that was bad, but if he did catch that, it would be a little bit more of a different narrative, obviously. And again, it's a top-down approach. If we're projecting game script and we're projecting Aaron Rodgers to smash, that's why we're bringing up the who are we running it back with. Well, Swift is definitely the most contrarian guy to run it back with. And I have to say, um, similar to Hollywood Brown, if Kenny, uh, yeah, if Kenny G misses again, TJ Hawkinson is another guy on FanDuel whose price barely moved and he had a really good game. I mean, I was with you, Kyle, played him in a ton of places. That was fun when he caught that touchdown and he would be one of the best tight ends on the slate, especially if Kenny G doesn't play uh, in a run it back type of atmosphere in this game. Yeah. And I'll just throw in there a sneaky play is the Packers defense on FanDuel. They're the DST 12. So if you want to stack Aaron Jones. If you think that they're going to get it done on the ground and you want to correlate, I don't mind doing that. So Vegas pick, let's give that real quick bets over under Packers. What do you think? I actually like the over in this one. And I also like the Packers to cover the spread as well. Ben. Yeah, I'm right there. If I had to choose one bet that I like the most, definitely the over. What, what is it again? I was surprised 47 and a half. I mean, this should be this should be at least 48, 49. I like the over. Yep. I like the over as well. All right. Three for three. All right. AFC West battle. Uh, third game we're going to talk about is the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe you've heard of them at the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers. The game has a 48 and a half over under. The Chiefs right now are eight and a half point road favorites. The line actually started at six and a half and there's been some juice. Juice, boys. There's some juice. And uh, so... Public likes betting on the Chiefs, which makes a lot of sense. They're, you know, they're the team that people like. So they're pretty good. Any any challenges them going to Los Angeles, uh, facing the Chargers? Obviously, it's a different team without Phillip Rivers. Initial takes on this game. What do you think, Bets? Yeah, I mean, my initial take is just you trust Andy Reid coming off of a bye or extended rest. Obviously, them playing last Thursday night would give them more time to prepare for this game. And he's just money against the spread. So even though it started at six and a half, I still like KC to cover here. I mean, the Chargers, let's be honest, guys, like week one, they should not have won that matchup against the Bengals. They got so lucky. They did not play well. Tyrod Taylor presents zero upside. So even though I like the Chiefs <coughs> side of the ball, and obviously we want to play Mahomes, we want to play Tyreek, we want to play Kelsey. It's obvious, right? Like we, we love those players. I'm not that excited about bringing it back with anyone on the Chargers side, except for Mr. Big Mike Williams, who yeah. led the team in air yards. It just looked great coming out there. We just need Tyrod to deliver the ball to him. And he has a great day last week against Cincy. So uh, Rashad Breland is still out for KC. If you're going to stack Chiefs, for me, you got to bring it back with Mike Williams. I mean, Keenan Allen, yes, he's a stud. He's a savant route runner, but... Tyrod is just so different than Phillip Rivers, and it was so evident in week one. I mean, I'm nervous about the Chargers, I'll be honest. But yeah, give me KC, give me big Mike Will coming back with the Chiefs stack. Such a significant change in quarterback play, and that's why, because Mike Williams had over a 1,000 yards last year. 
um, on some of the fewest targets in NFL history. I mean, we, we know what, <laughs> we know what big Mike will does and he, he comes down with some crazy catches. I love him so much and I can't even believe he was out there. So love that call. Um, because again, the quarterback play, like you touched on bets, that's going to hurt Keenan Allen. And obviously we saw that hurt Austin Eckler. Um, but Tyrod Taylor has always been a guy that will throw it deep that made Sammy Watkins very relevant in Buffalo at, at, you know, at one point in his career. Um, outside of week ones, even. Um, so definitely got to look at him to bring it back. I actually think what's interesting though, is that there's a lot of good matchups. Obviously we're going to get to another one here soon. Um, and a lot of good offenses in good matchups. So the chiefs are almost kind of contrarian because they're on the road. The chargers defense is pretty good. And anytime you can look at an offense like the chiefs is somewhat contrarian led by the best football player in the world. That's interesting. So there's a lot of, um, interesting pieces on the chiefs, obviously. I actually, I'm probably going to be alone in this, but I find that the Chargers, especially Tyrod, is a GPP play. I'm willing to roll with this week. Um, they want to Kyle, play normally. <laughs> I, you know what? We got to go there every once in a while. He had the second highest air yards <laughs> per attempt. We mentioned Mike Williams, who, you know, the dude loves some air yards. Sometimes that'll pay off. Uh, a couple years ago, remember, he had a three touchdown game against these Chiefs. And I think Austin Eckler is being poo-pooed on after the first week. He ran 22 routes. He just only got targeted once. And I just think that was just, that's how the game finished. It was an ugly finish to that game against the Bengals. Um, so for me, if on FanDuel, I will play Mike Williams on DK. Keenan Allen is just way down there. I think he's wide receiver 24. He's only at 5,700. So I, I like Keenan Allen uh, as just a way to to bring it back. So if you want Mahomes on DK at 7,700, uh, I, I love CEH. He actually might be a cash game lock for me this week because I know he's going to get some guaranteed volume and the chargers notoriously give up a lot on the ground. So um, I think there's some interesting ways and most people will, will look at last week and say, that's just the story for the chargers, but um, they're going to be playing catch up. So I think Tyrod's going to have a little bit more volume this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't find myself doing that. I'm I'm kind of with bets on that, just because there's so many different options on the main slate. But I love it because we're talking about GPPs, we're galaxy branding some lineups, and you have to do it if Tyrod spikes. And we know the Chiefs' pass defense is not very good. We know their defense overall is really not very good. So I love the Eckler point. Honestly, listeners, I apologize. Take the Adrian Peterson stuff I said, throw it out, but literally replace it with Austin <laughs> Eckler because it's the same situation. The Chiefs were 29th in run DVOA last year. They're a run defense I want to attack. We saw David Johnson, who I think is going to be up and down a little bit this year, playing for the donk Bill O'Brien. Um, even though he's going to get good volume, uh, he had a great matchup and he took advantage and Eckler could do the same thing because I agree with you, Kyle. Um, this is, like I said, take what I said about Adrian Peterson and, and transfer it to Austin Eckler. Cause this is actually a guy I would consider playing. He had 19 carries in week one. In addition to all those routes that you talked about, you know, the targets aren't going to be there as much. I think we know that, but he's still going to get targeted and there still is dual threat upside in this game. And of course we're talking about him as a tournament play because everybody's off of him at this point. So Especially if you want to, you know, play a, a chief stack that, like I said, I think will be a little bit contrarian because we've got Cowboys and Falcons and Lions and Packers and all the, and, and the Ravens in a smash spot. It, it's not super locked in like, Oh, I'm just, I'm going with Mahomes. So because of that, you can get a contrarian, um, stack and, and a contrarian run back in a number of different ways in this game. So going from galaxy brain to lizard brain. 
Betts, are you chasing Sammy Watkins, who looked pretty good, and he only ran 28 routes last week? He did look good, but you know what? We've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, at this point, like, I just need to see more from Sammy Watkins on a consistent basis to trust him. Now, will I have him in a lineup or two in some GPPs? Yeah, for sure, because, of course, Pat Mahomes smashes, and I want someone attached to Pat Mahomes. So I'll play him in a lineup or two, but I'm not going to build around him per se. I mean, look at what he did in his career uh, in, when he's been with the Chiefs against these Chargers. One for eight, two for 26, three for 21. So we're trending up. If we can get like a four for like 40 game, I mean, I think we're calling that good for Sammy Watkins here. Uh, so, so no, I'll fade him a little bit and... Likely, hopefully, other casual DFS players are going to be like, oh, look at the box score. Like, Sammy smashed in week one. Give me him. I'll still easily take Kelsey or easily take Tyreek uh, oh, over Sammy see, if I'm, I'm stacking. I want to ask a Sammy, question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go for, I was just going to say, Sammy Watkins, TJ Hawkinson, they're week one guys. They show up for week one, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, th- that's all they want to do. So go for it, Ben. Uh, I literally wrote in my my FanDuel article, history repeats itself all the time. Can, can it happen again with TJ Hawkinson, especially after what we saw with Sammy? Uh, Bets, I want to ask you a legitimate question. I'm just curious. How many tournament um, lineups do you typically play, or how many are you thinking about playing this week? Yeah, last week I played about 30 to 35 Typically, I'll play about 20 to 30, but I was feeling a little spicy in week one. Uh, oh, I play you- a lot more cash. So okay. my outlook on this and this conversation might be different than someone like you, Ben, who I know you love that GPP life. So, uh, yes, I yeah, will baby. play GPP, but I, I certainly build mostly around cash. Yeah, I do a little bit of both, too. I was talking to Kyle before the show. Like, I'm still trying to kind of figure out my entire philosophy. I did get into a lot of cash on DraftKings the last couple of years, but I just decided to go ham on on tournaments in week one on FanDuel, and obviously it it played out. I think I made 22 lineups. I was just curious because I'll probably, like, because I make my lineups by hand typically, I'll probably never be that much higher than that. So with that type of volume, no, there's no way I'm playing Sammy Watkins on a full slate uh on 2025 gpp lineups now if you're making 150 sure but uh if you're asking me the question kyle no not a chance yeah no it, it's it's totally fine i think travis kelsey is a is a duh play if you want to play him with Mahomes, he's almost there every single week hunter henry's interesting on fanduel at 6100 um if you want to go off of maybe mike williams or someone else like he he's safe but i just never get excited to put hunter henry in my lineup all right Vegas pick. Bets, who you got? Chiefs by a million in this game. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love I love that uh Kyle's Kyle's a little different. Yeah, I, I gotta go Chiefs too. Eight and a half's a lot. They're on the road. Like I said, I mean the Chargers defense is pretty good, but I could I just can't see myself ever putting money against the greatest football player maybe that's ever lived. I don't think that's that crazy of a hot take. I'm just gonna, gonna no. come out and say it. No, it's not that crazy. And if you guys listened to the footballers main show, he was interviewed, um, got to be on, on that on Wednesday. So super nice guy. Super great. Yeah. I feel dumb because the chargers are always <laughs> letting, letting us down, but give me the chargers plus eight and a half. They're at home. I do like that defense. Um, and I, I think it might be a little bit closer than we think. All right. Next game in the NFC South, my favorite DFS Carolina Panthers can't stop talking about them at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have the second highest team implied total of the week, 29 points. Both of these teams are still looking for their first win. And this game right now is at 49 in terms of the total. Uh, Do we like Tom Brady to bounce back after week one where he looked toast? Ben, what do you think about Brady? 
Yeah, I wrote, I'm writing him up as a, a tournament play. Um, and basically what I said was after, you know, not a great week one, the pick six losing. If Bruce Arians and Tom Brady want this to be a Tom Brady game, it absolutely can be. Why? Um, because I think the, the, the point that I've tried to be most vocal on, um, before the season and before week one with, you know, just locking in Josh Jacobs everywhere is that I legitimately believe that this Panthers defense could be one of the worst in NFL history. And obviously <clears throat> that we know that that's from a, a rushing standpoint, they were literally worse in the league last year. They lose Luke Keekley. They lost so many starters. Every single draft pick was on defense. I think the coaching staff and, and the organization showed us that they knew how bad it is, but man, is it bad. And it's also bad in the secondary. So you can take your pick. Um, and I think that because you can take your pick, I do think that Brady uh, tournament stacks make sense. If Godwin does sit, that makes things even more easy to predict. And that puts our boy Scotty Miller in play. Obviously, Mike Evans as well, as long as he's not limited. Um, but I do have to say, for me, Ronald Jones, who I'm not even that big of a fan of, and Josh Jacobs, I really wasn't going into the season either, but I had to play him against the Panthers because their run defense is so bad, historically bad. And Ronald Jones had like 18, 20 opportunities in week one. He's just absolutely going to smash. He's a lock for me in cash right now. Betts, what are your feeling on how to approach or st- at least stack this game? Yeah, Ben mentioned it real quick, but we need to really monitor Chris Godwin's status because he currently is in concussion protocol. It took a pretty nasty shot to the head in week one against the Saints. So if he sits, I mean, I think everyone's going to be on Mike Evans. So I hope Godwin plays, not because, you know, obviously I, I love to see him play. He's a great player, but also because that helps us get to Mike Evans at a lower roster percentage. I mean, Mike Evans coming to last week barely was even active, right? Coming off the hamstring injury, made it through, which gives me some more confidence, but major bounce back coming. I mean, we, we hear Bruce Arians talk about his wide receivers, but then actually delivered. You guys remember August last year? All he did was talk about Chris Goblin getting over 100 receptions. He's going to be in the slot on every play. He's going to be a focal point of the offense. And we saw it week after week after week. And he came out to the media and said, Mike Evans can't just get one reception. That, that literally cannot happen ever again. He needs to be seeing at least 10 targets in a game. I think B.A. is going to come out and just plan around Mike Evans and going against this defense that Ben talked about. They're going to miss Dante Jackson, their best corner. Yeah, give me TB12 stacked with both of these guys. Give me Chris Goblin. Give me Mike Evans. Yes, for sure. I'm going after this Bucks offense in GPPs. Yeah, give me. I love it. And I should clarify, too, because, again, Kyle, I think it's a great point. DraftKings versus FanDuel. Again, I'm writing my articles on FanDuel. I When I saw that Ronald Jones price was $5,900 on FanDuel. Like I I literally couldn't believe it because the matchup is too good. Um, So that's what I'm alluding to. He's not as good of a play on DraftKings where he doesn't catch as many passes, but I'm specifically talking about FanDuel and I'll shut up so that you can come in here and talk about who we run, who we want to run it back with on Carolina, because I'm not giving up on my boy. I'm not doing it. No, no, you know, the targets was what was most interesting with the Panthers because DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, like they saw a pretty similar target share. It's just that Robbie Anderson had that one seventy-five yard bomb that everyone will be thinking about and everyone will run to. So um, I likely will be going more to DJ Moore this week because I feel like people just have a bad taste in their mouth. I remember watching the game when he got a penalty. Uh, he's got an Enzo target, and then um, he got called for taunting, and so. Um, I think people are going to remember that DJ Moore basically was terrible for teams. So DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel is who I like. I did want to throw a little cold water boys on Ronald Jones. Um, okay. One, because I'm just not a, not a huge fan, but yeah, it is the lack of passing work. LaShawn McCoy 
Yes, that LaShawn McCoy. He only played seven fewer snaps last week, and he ran a route on 20 of his 26 snaps, meaning when he was out there, they were using him in the passing game. Um, now, granted, the Buccaneers are nine points favorites, so it makes sense that Rojo would be a good play, but um, not quite the ceiling on DK. So, yes, I would agree on FanDuel. With CMC, are we crazy to fade him this week, Bets? I mean, last week it was just so easy to hit the the draft button on CMC and in both formats. I mean, 10K oh, yeah. seemed like it was an underprice on what Christian McCaffrey can do for our lineup. And this week his price stayed the exact same. But I am not going to build every lineup around him like I did last week. And mostly it's because of the matchup. I mean, if, the way you beat Tampa Bay is through the air. It is not on the ground. Now, Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best receiving back in the entire league. So can he still get it done? Yeah, for sure. But we saw him come out last year against the same defense and only averaged uh, 49 rushing yards per game. So we're looking at a situation where he has to get it done through the air. The price tag is still somewhat expensive relative to everyone else on the slate. I don't know that he has the... I got to be careful with what I say. He has the ceiling. He's Christian McCaffrey. But I don't know that we can project (laughs) with most touches to get to his ceiling the way we could last week. So I'll have him in a couple places, but I won't be building around him the way I did in week one. Right there with you, Bets. Built around him last week. Um, And again, I'm riding on FanDuel, so I'm just going to stick to what I know. I'm going to let you guys handle a lot of the DraftKings salaries and stuff. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, 10500 on FanDuel. His price went up $500 in a much more difficult matchup. When you have King Henry at 8300 Zeke at 8600 Ronald Jones, who I'm all about on FanDuel, I just said it, at 5900 Gurley's at 7, uh, 7K. Aaron Jones is at 7-7. So that makes it really hard to play McCaffrey when he's that expensive, although salaries are pretty light on FanDuel. So you can definitely get some exposure and um, you know a full fade on McCaffrey, especially if you're making multiple tournament lineups, is never a smart idea. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but you're, when you think about someone's salary, you're having to ask yourself, how, like, what are they going to have to get to pay off? So mm-hmm. is 30 points on the table for Christian McCaffrey? Sure, but that kind of feels unlikely given what he's done with these uh, against these Buccaneers in the past. Like last year, we have in our notes like 53 and 57 total yards against the Bucks last year. That's not going to do it. And I know we're not going to get to talk about this game, but Ben... I know you love Derrick Henry this week at 8,300. He's he's the cash game lock this week against the Jaguars, and yep. um, and so that's why lock if we're in. not gonna if we're not gonna say you know CMC is the best play, it doesn't mean we don't like him. We're gonna talk about him all year long. But Derrick Henry really is the, the running back on Fanduel this week. I that think I think that was one of the questions we got on Twitter, and I believe my response was one million percent lock. <laughs> so, but actually, I love your point too, Kyle. Uh, really quick, just not only is it how many points you have to score based on salary, but it's also kind of you know going through your breakdown, going through your rankings, and looking at you know. Does Chris McCaffrey make sense when we have Benny Snell at 4,600 on FanDuel, when we have Jonathan Taylor at 5,800? The, the slate as a whole, um, you know, you have to make those decisions. If we didn't have those lower values, or even like I said, like if King Henry was priced appropriately, I think he should be $10,000. So the fact that he's 83 is ridiculous on FanDuel. If he was priced appropriately, we could have a different conversation, but because he and Zeke are not priced appropriately, I don't think Ronald Jones is priced appropriately at all. Those are the three guys that as of now, again, things will definitely change. It's it's fun that we're having these conversations on Wednesday night because I, I usually have some epiphanies um, as we get closer to the uh, the, the games, the, the LaVisca Chenaults of the world like last week. Uh, but for now, those are the three running backs on FanDuel that I'm feeling really good about. 
All right, Betts, any last thoughts on this game? I want to kick back to you real quick. You write up the cornerback wide receiver uh, matchups each week in the DFS pass. Did you look at who you think Dante, uh, sorry, not Dante Jackson, Carlton Davis from Tampa Bay is going to be covering in this matchup? He held Michael Thomas to 11 yards last week. I mean, he's the cornerback that we maybe want to shy away from. Do you see him playing against your boy, Curtis Samuel? I mean, Robbie Anderson is going to be on DJ Moore. What do you think? It's hard because those Saints last week, Tracon Smith had a lot more snaps than Emmanuel Sanders, but Emmanuel Sanders had to block a ton in the game. So it was kind of hard to get a read. But for me, um, I love that Samuel, really, if you look at their usage last week, these Panthers wide receivers, they got them all mixed up all over the field. So it wasn't just Samuel was predominantly the slot guy. DJ Moore can do that as well. So they moved them around. I don't think uh, I'm scared enough of Carlton Davis. Um, so for me this week, though, it's DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and I'll let everybody else chase uh, Robbie Anderson. And then yeah, I need you. to throw in there, I don't mind Gronk as a GPP play. Mm. His price went down $800 in DraftKings. So that's worth noting because if you played him last week, most people aren't going to. He wasn't on any of my rosters. But um, if you're stacking this game with Brady, I don't mind putting him in GPP. So uh, bets, what do you like? Bucks minus nine? <laughs> Yes, you just told the people. <laughs> I like the Bucks <laughs> minus nine. Yes, I'm not going to bet against an angry Tom Brady coming off of a loss. Yeah, give me, uh, give me the Bucks, Ben. I got to go Bucks minus nine as well. I like the Panthers a lot, as you, Kyle. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you that when I threw it to you, you talked mostly about DJ Moore because if there's any time to buy <laughs> into a small sample size. It's one game sample size after no preseason and a COVID shortened off season. So eight targets from Curtis Samuel in week one. I will definitely have some GPP exposure. Got to slide that in there. I have to take bucks minus nine because the Panthers, I think have a historically bad defense. I will continue to say it. Yeah. And I'll just take the over. I think this game is is clearly going to, they're going to shoot out. Um, all right. Last game. This is the one that most people are talking about. It is my Atlanta Falcons at 0-1, which is not surprising at all, at the Dallas Cowboys, which is surprising uh, that they're 0-1 because I feel like they should have won that game uh, this past Sunday night. The game has a 52-point over-under, and Dallas is a 5-point home favorite. So let's get this, this, this one pretty quickly. We know Ezekiel Elliott is the cash game lock. Like he, You need to start him really easy uh, to fit him in, especially on FanDuel, where I think he's even better play, but Zeke Elliott cash game lock, uh, Matt Ryan on DraftKings, He's almost a cash game lock for me. He's going to hit that 300 yards, likely play some catch up. But what do you guys think? Dak Prescott, do you feel like people are only thinking about last week? They have some recency bias. Is he a great play? I think so. I mean, we talked about it all last week. Why is Russ going to smash other than the fact that he's a great quarterback? Uh, it's the fact that the Falcons can't get to the passer. And we saw that. And last week, the Rams had the highest pressure rate in the NFC in week one. Dak was under pressure a ton. Now, they did have an offensive lineman out last week. We'll see if they get him back. But regardless, Dak's going to have more time in the pocket to deliver the ball. They're at home. We know Amari smashes when he's at home. Yeah, I I'm taking Dak in a bounce back spot here. So who do you feel like you're going to stack him with? Because I think that's the biggest question. CeeDee Lamb was involved a ton, um, and people are talking him up this week as a player that you know people want to play. But Amari uh, Cooper at home is always a good thing. Uh, and then Michael Gallup uh, is in play as well. So Ben, you have a lean on those three receivers. 
Uh, shout out to Al Zeidenfeld. This is a play all the plays uh, type of game, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I'm with I'm with bets. I'm sorry, Kyle, but the Falcons defense is terrible. So obviously we're attacking <laughs> it. Um, yeah, a quick little nugget that I just saw. I'm still finishing up my articles, but C.D. Lamb actually tied for the most um, routes run in the slot in week one. And I think that with Blake Jarwin going down, that can actually help C.D. Lamb catch more passes in the middle of the field. He had six targets in his first game. So I think for, you know, throw everything out the window. He has a ton of upside in this type of game, the Russell Gage, Robbie Anderson type of play. Um, so I think he's very interesting. Um, on FanDuel, Michael Gallup was only $6,000. So he is almost a, a near cash game lock on FanDuel. And then, you know, to your point, Amari has a reputation, right? Of, <clears throat> excuse me, being a hot and cold type of wide receiver, but this is definitely a smash spot. So he had 14 targets last week too. I didn't even realize that. So. Um, you know, pick your poison, but for tournaments, I like Amari and CD Lamb. All right. On the other side, which Falcons wide receiver? Cause it's almost the same situation. You have three receivers that you can honestly look at with Julio, Calvin and Russell Gage, who honestly came up big, but also had a lot of garbage time production last week. So bets, do you have a lean on where you would stack this game? Can I just say yes? I mean, I I want each and every one of these wide receivers. I'll have some Julio, I'll have some Ridley. Uh, His price did go up, though, by the way. So you might have to kind of consider that when you're building your lineup. And then, yeah, we we talked about maybe one of our weaknesses from last week. Ben mentioned it. It was just like not really looking at those kind of ancillary pieces in offenses and seeing that in GPPs, those guys could hit. Russell Gage did it last week. This is a game environment that we like. I'll have some of him. But I think Hayden Hurst is a sneaky, sneaky play this week. People are down on him, but he was out there, ran a ton of routes in week one. Also, important note, Leighton Vanderesh, stud linebacker for the Cowboys, is out, collarbone injury for at least six weeks. Last year, when Dallas was without him in the lineup, they gave up the most receptions to the tight end position, third most yards to the position. So Hayden Hurst is a sneaky play because he's not going to be as popular as Julio and Ridley. And certainly I'm going to, I'm going to buy low, so to speak on him. People are not going to be on Hayden Hurst. I like it. Go ahead. It's a hot stat. And the thing about Hurst is um, the dude looks like he's like 38 years old out there on the field. Like he looks (laughs) like an old, he's an old man on the field with that long kind of hair. But I, yeah, I love Hurst. He's a great GPP play. Um, I would not mind looking at this game. If you're going to go Dak and let's say, Zeke and one of the receivers, or maybe it's Dak and two receivers, uh, just to have Hurst on the other side. Um, it's not a bad thing if you want to game stack this one. Yeah, Any this is the, the perfect run it back game. Um, you know, what, what we got 52 points. Like, yeah, I'm going over. Um, we have to also mention with, you know, I love the Leighton Vander Esch, uh, point there. No Sean Lee either. They lost Gerald McCoy in the preseason. So Todd Gurley, actually a pretty interesting GPP play, 19 opportunities in week one. Um, didn't really, you know, leave the field until the game got out of hand towards the end. So he's he will get the volume, and that's an interesting play as well. I don't mind Dallas, their defense. If you want to get kind of crazy in a tournament, people are going to look at the over. But um, I know my Falcons, sometimes we just don't show up at all. And uh, Ryan's known to be, throw a pick or two. So um, wouldn't be a crazy correlation if you did Zeke with the Dallas defense and just think this game's going to go under. I think it's going to go over, but in tournaments – I like it. It's kind of a weird out there play. So Vegas picks, bets what you got. Yeah, I'm going all favorites this week. That's obviously not the ideal strategy, but it just <laughs> felt right. Uh, yeah, give me Dallas with the points. 
or sorry, Dallas laying the points, I should say. Yeah, this ben. is this is a tough one. I, I'm just gonna take the. I mean, 52 is is kind of scary to take the over, but you know, I I was I, I did the alternate points on Seattle and Falcons last week around the same thing, and it hit. Um, I think this game should be very similar, so I'm just gonna take the over. I'm just gonna abstain just so I don't <laughs> feel terrible. But uh, man, um, 0 and two. It feels like we're gonna start 0 and two. So uh, all right, let's get into our next segment. DFS Battle Royale. Last week, Betts and I uh, had at it. We had five categories. You came out on top with three wins. I had two. Let's uh, go. Thanks, thanks to I believe uh, Paris Campbell win at the very at the very end. So uh, nice, nice call on that one. So we're gonna pick a couple different categories and let's just give quick, short answers between the three of us: Borg, Betts, and Ben. Who is your favorite QB who you think will be rostered under 3% this week? Let's start with Ben. Carson Wentz, uh, you know, not a good showing last week, but he actually, his numbers actually weren't that bad. Um, they're getting Lane Johnson back, getting Miles Sanders back there at home. And yes, they have to find a way to block Aaron Donald, but if they could even minimize him slightly, I think the Rams defense is very, very, very bad. Wade Phillips is gone. This is a defense I want to attack. So I like Wentz. You know, very low owned. And bets you got a barf worthy pick, but go for it, man. <laughs> oh, either way, he's getting it done. It's Mitch Trubisky, yes, and this is going to be like one percent rostered in in GPPs. I mean, he did not look good last week. Let's be honest, but he's taking on the Giants. What Big Ben did to him on Monday night? I mean, we saw him come out. He smashed bunch of touchdowns, bunch of yards. Yes, Mitch Trubisky is not going to be looking good doing it. Don't watch the game. I mean, come on, don't watch the game. But Allen Robinson coming out this week, angry, wanted to prove something. I'm going narrative street here. I'll take Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to jump in the stream with old P Rivers. And um, the thing with Phil Rivers is dude knows how to check it down. You know, had basically 350 yards this past week. No touchdowns. And people are going to remember that they lost that game. But so he's going to be very, very low in terms of roster percentage, but they play the Vikings who were just annihilated by Aaron Rodgers. So I don't mind rivers in a tournament. Uh, there's some interesting ways to stack that game. All right, next category running back. And this one's tough, but who is a running back who's in the top five of salary that you think will actually could bust? Not saying that these guys will, these are great players, but a player you think in the top five that you would shy away from Ben. Yeah, the Steelers' defense is pretty good, but I still can't uh, unsee what I saw with Saquon. And I also cannot say Christian McCaffrey's name because I think he's the Patrick Mahomes of running backs. So even though Saquon's $1,500 cheaper on FanDuel, the Bears aren't a great matchup. They have a pretty good front seven. Um, not that it's you know that scary and Saquon has a ton of upside too, but anybody, everybody in the top five does. So my answer is Saquon Barkley. Bets. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey's name, and it's not because I don't think he'll have an okay game. I mean, he can come out and have 100 total yards and a touchdown, but that still doesn't pay off $10,000 on DraftKings or 10500 on FanDuel. So really, we're just talking about pricing. Can he live up to it? We already talked about the matchup. Uh, yeah, he's he's my pick here. And Kyle, I know you're with me on this one. Yeah, CMC, I'm going to be underweight compared to the field, and it's scary to do that. Because he can go it's off terrifying. for 40 points, especially on DraftKings, where you know he's a threat to do 100 and 100, and you get six bonus points, which is a great feeling on DraftKings. Wide receivers, in the wide receiver category, give me a wide receiver two on his team, and we're going to 
put this as who's going to do well for their price? Who's going to give the best points per dollar? So Ben? Yeah, I thought about trolling and saying Amari Cooper, but um, I'll be a little bit more realistic. <laughs> and uh, I got to talk about about my boy Corey Davis. I made a YouTube video about this, you know, before the season. I did not think this guy was dead. Um, you just look at the profile, and he's actually, you know, kind of like I literally asked the question before the season, not on Monday night. Like, could he be the next Devonte Parker? Because he showed signs. And here's the thing: he's only again. I'm talking about Fanduel. He's only forty nine hundred dollars on Fanduel. Um, his price did not go up probably because he played on Monday. Great matchup against Jacksonville. So, um, yeah, I still feel really good about Corey Davis. Uh, second week in a row. Now he did not practice today. So it's something we have to monitor, but I, <clears throat> my guess is that they're just monitoring his health. Yeah. I've been burned by Davis. I, I but I, I want him to do well. I, I like him in terms of, um, just his prospects, his athletic profile, all of that, but bets who you got. Yeah, I don't know if this is cheating, but I'm going to take Mike Evans. I mean, is he the one? Is he a two? People will debate that all the time. But yeah, give me Mike Evans here. We talked about the bounce back bounce back spot. And on FanDuel, well, really, Mike Evans is the play because of the touchdown equity he can provide. Yeah, I'll take Mike Evans here. I think he's in a great spot that I want to have a lot of exposure to in week two. Yes, and people will just remember one catch. That's all they'll remember but he's great to come back to this week. I'm going to go with Michael Gallup. Ben talked about him earlier. It's only $6,000 on FanDuel. Easily, easily could lead this team this week in receiving against the hapless Falcons secondary. So I like Gallup stacking with Dak Prescott. Tight ends. Give me somebody in the top five of tight ends that you are going to be rostering all everywhere this week. Ben. Talked about it earlier. Ravens are in a smash spot. Very shallow target distribution. Mark Andrews, high upside is maybe the tight end one overall. Mark Andrews. Yeah, I'm going to go Mark Andrews as well. I just, I love thinking about, you know, the Texans and, you know, there's just their defense has a name because it has one player that everyone knows. It's JJ Watt. And other than that, I'm just not scared of that defense at all. So Mark Andrews is the player I like. Bets finish it out. Yeah, I logged in the, into the doc today, and, and you guys already took Andrews. He would have been my pick, so I'm with you 100%. But I'll take Kelsey. Obviously, he's a top two tight end in the league. And then you look at no Derwin James for the Chargers, and then they just lost a starting linebacker, Drew Tranquil, to injury. So I think Kelsey could smash this week. All right, last category is our wild card. And what I threw down this week is give me a team that you think is going to score the most amount of points, but currently their team implied total is below 22. And just to give you reference, below 22 means they're going to, they're probably projected to lose um, and they're going to be playing catch up. So a team that's currently projected under 22 team implied points, Ben, who's someone you like to go over that? Even if Kenny G doesn't play, I will take every opportunity to bet on my boy, Matt Stafford. We already talked about this game. There's shootout potential. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Stafford. He's still got, Plenty of, of decent weapons, Marvin Jones, Hawkinson, et cetera. Bets. Yeah, I'm going to take the football team uh, from Washington. <laughs> I will take them in this matchup because, uh, you know, Kyle, you're Mr. Pace of Play. What we saw last week from Arizona was just great from a pace of play perspective. They take on Washington. Washington actually was up in pace compared to what they did last year by about 15 plays, which was huge. So yeah, I'll take Washington here. I think this is going to be a shootout and kind of sneaky with both defenses being pretty bad. No, it's it's night and day from what this team was last year. They didn't trust Dwayne Haskins at all. You know, they were just trying to run with AP most of the time last year. But yeah, that's a giant difference. And then the Cardinals right now, I wrote this up, is that they're the team they wanted to be last year. Like they wanted to be, uh, uh, 
like top five in pace, but they couldn't really get there because they weren't converting first downs. They just weren't at all at the beginning of the year. Second half of the year, they were more a running team. But no, I love that call with Washington. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Mentioned them earlier. They only have a 19.3 team implied total. I think that's a little low um, in a game where I think they're going to be more competitive. And um, I took the Chargers with the points. So hopefully I am not a liar. So we'll have those <laughs> results to you guys next week. And, uh, and if you guys have suggestions for our Battle Royale, we'd love to get some weird, quirky categories. But let's get into the mailbag. Mailbag. So we have a couple of questions just to kind of round out the podcast here. And really, it's a chance for us to hear from you guys. What do we need to talk about? And one of the things on this first question is something that you and I, Bets, talked about on the podcast. I'm remembering, I remember mentioning this, and then I didn't actually follow through on the podcast. So I'm glad <laughs> that people listen and hold us accountable. But uh, JJ Alday... Uh, on Twitter, Ronnie says, Hey guys, I'm still loving the podcast, which is a great thing. It would be different if you said, Hey guys, I'm not that into it anymore, but I have a question. <laughs> uh, but he says, he says he still loves the podcast. We love you too, man. Be uh, better. He said, you, you had quickly mentioned how the red and green numbers on DraftKings or FanDuel uh, can mess with you psychologically, but I don't think I actually heard the segment. Would love to hear about this and why. And I think this is the perfect time to bring up this conversation. Because we've seen one week's worth of data. And when you look on different websites, when you look on like on my Yahoo app, just looking at my redraft team, I'm already seeing teams that are red teams and teams that are green teams based on one week and what they did against that position. So first, let's talk about that psychologically. But then how do we navigate that for DFS? Who wants to give that a start? I'll take the lead on this one. I mean, the biggest way that I take a look at this here is like, you just got to look at the most recent trends. And on these apps, they do not give you that. They give you the season long outlook, which can be really misleading. I mean, you talk about a team in week one is going to look so different from a team in week six, which is going to look so different from a team in week 11 or 12. Like it just changes so, so much injuries, personnel, etc. So looking at that number that's either a red and says that, oh, this team is really good against running backs. Don't play them. It might not be true. And same thing for wide receiver. And then you look at like this week, it's just a small sample size. These numbers literally do not matter at all for week two because it's it's one game. We need to look at more of a sample to really use these numbers effectively. I almost don't even look at them at all, to be honest with you guys, when I'm setting lineups because it's just a way that you can talk yourself out of a really great play. If it's a guy like Christian McCaffrey, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna shy away from Christian McCaffrey against the second best rushing defense or pass defense against running backs? No, he's Christian McCaffrey. So, yeah, you know that's that's kind of a way I look at it. I don't really use them too much. Yeah, I love that, and um, I think that that's why I wrote up these articles before the season about defenses I want to attack because it's also just understanding you know, personnel and what's going on. Like if a, if a terrible pass defense plays against Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod doesn't take advantage because he's just not that type of player or even Cam Newton, cause he's not that type of player. Does that mean that we shouldn't attack that defense the next week? Um, if they're going against Stafford or Rogers or, or Mahomes, of course not. So it's just kind of understanding that. Yeah. And if you don't pay too much attention to that, it's just a way to take, you know, advantage of the majority or at least a lot of people in tournaments paying more attention to that. And it gives you some, some upside and some leverage against the field. And in, and in just a second, we'll see that there are um, some of those matchups where you can take advantage of the outliers. So last year it was very clear. The Cardinals were bad against tight ends. I mean, that was something that people attacked 
you know, all the time. If that kind of spills over into this year, then that might be something that you can look at. If you said like, hey, this, this team got exploited in this way, um, and historically they've just been bad at it. So, you know, like the Chargers, great defense, but on the ground they have been gashed over the last couple of years. Um, now, granted, Joe Mixon didn't have a great week one, um, but they're starting a rookie quarterback. There's just so much more context that we have to look at when we're talking about these numbers. And so um, for for the first, I would say for the first month, maybe even six weeks, just throw those things out. Um, you're, you're factoring in so much more in terms of matchup, the pace of play, the the Vegas over-unders, you know, all the things that we write about in the DFS pass that's what we talk about. And then once we get a little bit further, we start bringing up stats like DVOA. I know, Ben, you love bringing up those stats, but those are important once we get, you know, to the bye weeks. Then yeah. then we can have that conversation. Once we have more data. And I should say, because, I, you know, I've touched on a lot about matchups in this, but what I care about is the extremes, either the very best defenses that we want to avoid or the absolute worst defenses like the Carolina Panthers that we want to attack. In the middle, it doesn't matter as much. Then that's where, again, like you just said, Kyle, situation, volume, you know, game flow, game script, all of that matters more. All right. Next question is from Kyle Gutierrez at Life of Kyle, which... I should have snagged that handle a while back as well. So love a good Kyle on Twitter. We we sometimes don't get the love we deserve, but Kyles are out there. Uh, he asks, what are the pros and cons between hand building a few lineups and tweaking them multiple times to fit max entries compared to liking a pool and creating random lineups? Is there an advantage in modifying versus randomization? And I think, I know Ben, you're more of someone that does hand building where I love using the optimizer. So maybe you could speak into why you think hand building is so helpful. And then uh, bets, you can kind of split the difference. Um, I just, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not against using an optimizer. I just think that I like to find my core and basically stick with it for the most part. And then, you know, whether that's three, four or five guys, and then just interchange different philosophies. And, you know, like we just did on the podcast tonight, um, you know, I might decide <clears throat> I'm going to go in and, I'm going to make a Packers Lions team for the most part. And then, you know, bets, I actually love the Washington call because I think that is a sneaky game. And then I brought up Wentz. That's a sneaky game. Like those two, the Eagles, Rams and, and Cardinals in Washington are, are sneaky games. So I might just go hand build a Terry McLaurin, uh, run it back with Hopkins, Kyler Murray, et cetera. So, I mean, you can obviously have an optimizer do that. I'm not against it, but I've just kind of been a traditional guy. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That's just the way I've done it, but I'm not, you know, super locked into it by any means. Betts, you have a thought on this? Yeah, I think, you know, I think looking at it as doing just one way, like just doing handheld or handheld <laughs> handmade lineups <laughs> or just optimizer lineups is probably incorrect, right? We should probably have some sort of process that splits the difference because the truth is there's error in our logic. I mean, every week we, we make bad calls or uh, incorrect calls. And if we kind of just go with like, this is what I think is going to happen. And there's no like data behind it that says like, this is by the optimal way to kind of distribute your lineups. Then you're probably going to miss on, on some players that you should have had. Same is true if you just go, all right, whatever the, li the lineup optimizer spits out, I'm going to put in my lineup. I mean, it doesn't feel as good. Like you're not the one making the lineup and it doesn't have your sort of take on the game, which you want to be right about these takes and kind of be able to show like, hey, look at this. I just won 800 bucks on DraftKings or whatever it is, right? So I like uh, using both. I don't play enough GPPs though to really use the optimizer a ton. I use it as a way to look at like, okay, what is what are the rankings on the Ballers DFS pass showing us? And then kind of from there, like, you know, where does that lead me in my lineup decision making? So I use both for sure. 
For me, it's uh, I do like doing max entries only on really, really low um, budget ones. So I've mentioned before, there's ones on FanDuel that are like a nickel and you can put in 150 lineups. But the way that I do it is I'll pick one quarterback and then I'll say, you know what? Instead of building 150, I'm going to build 30 to 40 lineups with just Russell Wilson. That's what I did last week where I said, hey, I know I love Russell Wilson and I want to try to get 30 or 40 lineups just around him and I'm going to make sure that I'm stacking with either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. And then I had a couple where I did, you know, DK Metcalf and Chris Carson with Russell Wilson. And so I just try to think about it that way. 150 is just so much to get my my head around. So um, splitting that up and saying, you know what, I'm only going to go with maybe three or four quarterbacks, honestly, in my pool for a GPP. I think that's at least healthy. gives you room for error. Uh, that's how I do it. And I think it's helpful for me to break it down that way. And I like the optimizer um, only for those 150, but for my cash lineups, for um, single entries, those those are the ones you hand build for sure. I will say the most actionable thing that I can say is regardless of what you decide to do, just reserve your entries and make sure that you don't hit submit on any lineups whatsoever until we have all of the injury updates, because then you'll drive yourself mad. If I make the change that I think I should make, what if it you know, it bites me and the team that I had is great. And if I don't make the change, oh, I really should have made it. So um, whatever you do, that's the strongest thing that I can say is reserve your entries, submit them around an hour and a half, an hour before game time. All right, last question we're going to get in. It's from at Fantasy Faps on Twitter. He said, were we one week early on Gibson? Feels like the game script this week could be great for his receiving game. He's 5,100 on DK. I think a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth and try to fade him. Bets. Thoughts on Antonio Gibson this week as a good play? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the type of play you want to make. I mean, I didn't play any Gibson last week in, in tourneys because everyone was talking about him, right? I mean, everyone was going to have him. And now we look at a situation where they're like, oh, Peyton Barber is the best back on that backfield. He scored two touchdowns. Obviously, he's the guy. No, he was so, so bad. 1.7 yards per carry. JD McKissick, negative one yard on four touches. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> if this coaching staff looks at the backfield, looks at the tape, clearly Antonio Gibson is the most dynamic. Now, am I going to build around him? No, but certainly people are going to be off him. You know, fantasy and DFS, it's just so short, short-minded, right? You look at what happened last week and you say, all right, that's the story. I'm done. But yes, there's a reason people are excited about Antonio Gibson. He's electric with the ball in, in space. If he breaks a big one here, we talked about the game stack. Yes, I will play a little bit of Antonio Gibson here in week two. Yeah, I think he's more of a DraftKings play for me. Um, I hope he gets the receiving work. McKissick had more snaps than I wanted to see uh, in week one. And so I, I think it's one of those situations where fantasy Twitter is going nuts for Antonio Gibson, but... Ron Rivera just said, hey, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be a committee. And so it could be we we all think Gibson's talent's going to win out, but it, it could just stay ugly for a little mm-hmm. while, especially if they keep winning. Yeah. No, I, I think his talent's going to win out in the end, but is it going to win out in week two? I don't think so. Um, in DFS, the number one thing you do is you avoid timeshares at running back. Now, I get the whole argument on DraftKings. Because I only played FanDuel last week, I did end up bets just like you not playing him at all because, you know, I only played tournaments and it made no sense to play him in tournaments um, or really in cash just because what was his upside on FanDuel. So I agree that, 
you know, there is some upside there, but I would say no. You know, there's too many other good options on a main slate. If we're talking about a primetime slate or a showdown or something like that, that's a little bit different. That's that's where you can consider Sammy Watkins like last Thursday night. But um no, nah, not we I have to see it to believe it, not when there's all these stud running backs with guaranteed dual threat upside on the slate. All right. That'll do it for the mailbag. And want to remind you guys, underdog fantasy is something that we still play on. I know best ball season is a little different um, right now, but every single week you can enter into weekly contests on underdog at underdogfantasy.com. It's where we play. It's where the footballers um, also get to talk about. It's an awesome sponsor. If you're looking for something that's a little different than the way that we talk about DraftKings and FanDuel, Underdog is an awesome opportunity for you to enter in. You can go and search for Underdog Fantasy in your app store and you can give it a whirl. So, guys, looking forward to a profitable week two. We can all buy an offshore island together with our winnings. It's going to be good. Good luck in week two. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.